Ben Wallace says the 03-04 Pistons were better off drafting Darko versus drafting Mello. Let's go. So the saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I agree with that for the most part. Ben Wallace of the 0304 Pistons says that drafting Darko Milicic was the better move versus drafting Carmelo Anthony. You can't argue success. That Pistons team went on to win the title. They dominated the Lakers in five games. That Pistons team would follow that up by going back to the finals, losing in seven games versus the Spurs. It was also a team that played in six conference finals. So they had a run. They had success. But Darko was a non-factor that entire run. He was not part of it. He was a body that provided no production. Had they drafted Carmelo Anthony and they added Carmelo to a core that had been Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, Billups, Rip, and Tayshaun Prince, not to mention other than Rashid and Ben, who were both 29, the rest of that core was as a, it, they were in their prime. Billups was 27, Prince 20, 23, Rip was 25. You add a 19 year old Carmelo Anthony to that core with a coach like Larry Brown, who, if you know Larry Brown, wasn't big on rookies, which means Melo would have had to earn his way into his playing time. He wouldn't have just been handed that playing time. With that core and that leadership, he would have been a much better, I would say he'd be a much better well-rounded player, especially on the defensive end. No, he wouldn't have been a lockdown defender, but he would have competed better defensively. And he wouldn't need to have been a volume scorer on that team. He wouldn't have cracked the starting lineup. Not because he wasn't more talented than everybody on the floor. He wouldn't have cracked it because of the way Larry Brown coached in the way that that team played. But even in a lesser role, you would have had 19-year-old Carmelo Anthony being able to come off the bench and give you 15 or 16 points per game. He would have helped you not just in the present, but he would have set you up for future success. My point is, this is where I argue with Ben or disagree with Big Ben. If they've got Melo versus the bust that was Darko, and he develops within that system under that veteran leadership, they win at least two titles, if not three. If they have Melo, when they were playing against that, against that great Spurs defense, they would have had one guy that could get his shot off even against great defense. Had they had him going forward, yes, LeBron would have still scored 48, I'm sure. But they would have had some firepower that could have offset that. Remember, young Melo, when he was in, in the Nuggets, in his prime, he used to give it to LeBron. LeBron's a much greater player. But in terms of being able to guard Carmelo Anthony, he couldn't. And it wasn't close. Had they had that type of talent, I think Big Ben is wrong. The Pistons, they would have not just gone to six conference finals they would have gone to about two or three more NBA finals. They would have had at least another one or two more rings on their fingers. And since I'm talking about the Pistons, 
And since there's no real-time sports going on, so everything's a, a what-if or who was better or who was greater, when I look at the backcourt of Chauncey Billups and Rip Hamilton, someone put it out there, where do they rank all time? And off the top of my head, I think they're top 15 if you just if you just assume or not assume, but if you if you look at what they've accomplished together, remember just their time together as a duo. Six conference finals, two NBA finals, an NBA championship, both were three-time All-Star. Billups was a finals MVP. I think that resume alone makes them no worse than top 15, maybe even top 10. Penny Hardaway of the 90s Magic believes had Shaquille O'Neal not left, that Magic squad would have won multiple titles. What I remember is in the 94-95 season, Orlando beat Chicago four games to two in the conference semifinals. And I thought at the time, it was a changing of the guard. But what happens? Michael Jordan gets a whole offseason under him, comes back, reestablishes himself as the best player in basketball. They meet the Magic again in the playoffs, and they destroy that Orlando team. A 60-win Orlando team gets destroyed four games to none. I have to disagree with Penny. With Jordan back, with he, Pippen, Ron Harper's, with their ability to shut down other players, I'm sure Penny and Shaq would have got their numbers. But Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson, they would have got shut down again. Shaq, I think Shaq saw the writing on the wall. He took less money to go west. So while I appreciate Penny having all the confidence in the world in his squad. No, that 90s Magic team, their window was when Jordan was away. Once he returned full time, it was a wrap. So ESPN puts out their tournament for greatest college basketball player ever. On the plus side, in the finals, there are two legit all-time great players going up against each other, Larry Bird versus Michael Jordan. On the downside, neither one of them are the greatest college basketball player of all time. That honor belongs to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, although in college he was then Lou Alcindor. All he did was win three national championships, three Final Fours MVP, three Player of the Year awards, and won 88 games and only lost once in three years. And the only reason he didn't do that four times was because there was a freshman rule at the time, so he could not play on the varsity team. The answer to every question when someone says, who is the greatest college basketball player of all time? That's Lou Alcindor. You could even make a stronger case for someone like Bill Walton versus Jordan or Bird, who also won two national championships and two Player of the Year awards. You could make a greater case for even someone like Christian Leitner. 
No, his NBA career never lived up to what he did in college, but this is about college. And as a college basketball player, Christian Leitner is more accomplished than Shaquille O'Neal and Chris Webber and a lot of other bigger names. I know the regular season is in a holding pattern, and there's a real shot that this season won't restart. So I'm going to go ahead and give out who I think is deserving of these regular season awards. First, let's go with MVP. That's Bron. That's Giannis. I'm going with Giannis. 29 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, a block and a steal per game. Best player on the team with the best record. Best player on the team with the best defense in the NBA. I know LeBron has made a great case. He's made a great late season run. And he capped it off when he beat both the Bucks and the Clippers in the same weekend. That was a monster weekend for LeBron. But I'm not going to take a monster weekend over what Giannis has done over the course of a season. And there are other numbers that you can actually look at. You can look at the analytics. It's impressive that when LeBron's on the floor, the Lakers outscore opponents 10 points per 100 possessions. When he's off the floor, they get outscored by 1.4 points per 100 possessions. But check this number out. When Giannis is on the floor, Milwaukee is outscoring people by 16 points per 100 possessions. And when he's resting, they get outscored by 12 points per 100 possessions. Giannis has been the better player. He's been the more efficient player. The analytics agree with me. And if you look at his PER, it's one of the highest ever in league history. Giannis is this year's MVP. Defensive player of the year, I think that's Anthony Davis. I'm giving it to AD. But I wouldn't be shocked if Giannis and Rudy Gobert both get votes. I think Anthony Davis has been the most versatile defender in all the NBA. And that's saying a lot when you consider that Giannis is great in space, great in pick and roll, things that AD excels at as well. I just think that ultimately AD's ability to protect the rim that kind of gives him an edge over Giannis. He's a little bit better shot blocker, but they're both great defenders. Rookie of the year, this one is easy. It's John Morant. All the hype surrounding Zion, and he's deserving of it, but the guy that's deserving of rookie of the year, it's got to be John Morant. He's been great from start to finish, and he's led this young Memphis team to the playoffs. Plus, his numbers are impressive for a rookie. 17 points a game, 7 assists a game. He shoots over 47% from the field and 37 from three. John Morant has brought it from start to finish. He is your rookie of the year. Zion has been fun to watch. He is a highlight reel in the making, but he's not the best rookie of this class right now this season. Six man of the year, I'm going to go with Dennis Schroeder. I know normally this is the Lou Williams Award, and you can make a case that his teammate Montrez Harrell might might even win it. But I think this season, because the Thunder have been such a surprise team that no one saw coming, I think Dennis Schroeder deserves to be sixth man of the year. 19 points a game, four rebounds, four assists. He's shooting 47% from the floor, much improved from three, 
38% and 84% from the free throw line. If you've ever seen Dennis Schroeder play, he's a terrific pick and roll player. When he gets downhill, he puts so much pressure on your defense. Dennis Schroeder is deserving of sixth man of the year. Most improved player? This one is easy for me. As much as I'm impressed with what Brandon Ingram has done, as much as I'm impressed with what Jason Tatum has done over the last month or so, Jason Tatum didn't just become an all-star caliber player. He looked like a superstar the last month and a half of the season. That said, I'm going off of body of work. Bam Adebayo of the Miami Heat, from the beginning of the season until the season was shut down, made the biggest leap. 16 points a game, 10 rebounds a game, over five assists a game, and over two blocks a game. Bam is a complete player on both ends of the floor. He's a terrific passer. He's improved his post play, developed a nice 12 to 15 foot jump shot. This guy, he's ascending. And we saw Ingram's talent before he made this leap. We saw Tatum's talent before he made this leap. I think Bam Adebayo came into the league and we thought good player, maybe a rotation player, but what he's becoming, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Bam Adebayo is going to be a star. And when it's all said and done, he's going to be one of the top two or three big men in all of basketball. Coach of the year has to be Nick Nurse of the Raptors. You lose the finals MVP. Your team turns around, buys into your culture, your system, has the second best record in the East when the season is stopped at 46 and 18. Your veteran guard, Kyle Lowry, gives you 19 and 7. Van Fleet, 17 and 6. Your up and coming star, Pascal Siakam, 23 and 7, forever ascending. Norman Powell gives you 16 points a game along with Sergi Baca, another 16. This Raptors team doesn't have the most star power, doesn't have the biggest names, but this is the most balanced team in basketball, and the glue that holds it all together is Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse is the coach of the year. Wherever you're listening to the Cypher, be it Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook, Whatever you heard today on today's show, hit me up with your responses and let me know what you think. Agree or disagree. Be safe. Take care. Next time.